Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. We're starting a new series this morning called Just Ask. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the topic of prayer. And when it comes to prayer, that is a subject sometimes as Christians and a practice as Christians that we have a hard time doing. Uh, sometimes for prayer, it's, well, I don't know what to pray for. Or you might think, well, I pray wrong. Uh, or you'd say, you know, God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers. Or, or really, at the end of the day, here's one of the biggest struggles for Christians when it comes to prayer. You'll say, well, you know what? God is sovereign, and he is. God knows all things, and he does. So if God is sovereign, he knows all things, he knows how all things are going to work out, why in the world should I even pray? You know, in this series, what we're going to do over the next four weeks is show you just how incredible this gift of prayer is that God has given us. I'm going to show you how prayer works, how to pray, how God answers our prayers, and why we should pray continuously. And this morning, why I invited you to turn to Exodus 32 is because this is one of the most amazing stories to me in all of the Bible, because literally through one man's prayer, a nation of people was saved. Because one man went on behalf of others, a whole nation of people was saved. See, when you come to Exodus chapter 32, what's taking place in verse 1 is that Moses is on top of Mount Sinai. He's gone up to meet with God. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He's getting instructions of the tabernacle. Uh, God is showing and telling Moses, here's how I want the people to worship me. But let's pick up in verse 1 and see what's going on. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron, now Aaron is the high priest and Aaron is the mother, or, or excuse me, the brother of Moses. Aaron said to him, take off the rings of gold that are in the ear of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So what's gone on is that now God has descended in a cloud on top of Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up to meet with God. The people of Israel are at the base of the mountain, and Moses has been gone for 40 days. And he's been up there for 40 days meeting with God. The people of Israel are like, okay, there's the delay Something's happened to Moses. He hasn't come back down. I don't know if he's getting good cell reception up there, but he's not answering our text. He's clearly not posted on Facebook in 40 days. Something's happened. Moses is dead. God has abandoned us. Moses has left us. Now just stop and think for a moment how foolish that would be of God. After all that God has done for the people of Israel up to this point, how foolish it would be for God to abandon them, 
to leave them. So you remember, this was a people that was enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years that God miraculously delivered through 10 plagues. So there was no army that came into Egypt and overtook them and freed the people of Israel. This was the most powerful nation on the earth at the time, the most powerful army, the most powerful leader, and God, through 10 miraculous plagues, brought them on the land of Egypt, and the Pharaoh finally said, okay, you guys have got to go. You have clearly need to leave Egypt. The Israelites, you need to get out of here because you know, God's judgment is upon me. So, so the Pharaoh lets Moses and the people go. And one of the things that is outstanding to me that gets overlooked in the story often is on their way out of town, God puts it on the rich Egyptian people's hearts to give the people of Israel all their stuff. I mean, they're like, here, here, I don't know why I'm doing this right now, but I know you guys are going out of town. Here's my gold, right? Here, here's all my wealth. Like, you got some more room on that cart. Like, let's, let's load you up out of here. Please leave. And so they literally give their wealth to the people of Israel. Then, as you know, you get up to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army's chasing them. And then God parts the Red Sea. The people of Israel walk through the Red Sea untouched, unharmed. Pharaoh's army tries the same thing. God brings the sea down upon them and upon judgment, wipes them out. Then they're in the land of, you know, the wilderness now. They're like, where are we going to eat? Where, what are we going to drink? I mean, you know, Whataburger's not around. Chick-fil-A just still has decided to be closed on Sunday. What are we going to do? And God's like, I got it supernaturally feeds the people of Israel every day with manna, gives them food, gives them water, gives them protection, leads them by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. All of that has taken place. They have done all of those things. God has blessed them in all of those ways. But yet now, God's going to abandon them, but he's going to do all that. And now, God's going to leave them right here at the base of a mountain? I mean, raise your hand if you think that just sounds absurd and silly. Like, how many of you would go, you know what, that, that sounds pretty silly of God to do that, right? We would all go, you know what, that, that just, yeah, that would be silly of God. Isn't it silly of us to think that God does the same thing in our lives? Should we not be so hard on the Israelites in this moment? Because how much has God done in your life? How much has God protected you, provided you, delivered you, helped you, guided you? But yet at the first moment of delay, at the first moment of unanswered prayer, at the first moment of we don't understand what God's doing, what do we kind of do? God, where'd you go? Why'd you abandon us? Why'd you leave us? Like we could be just like the Israelites. And so here are the Israelites in Exodus 32, verse 2. They're like, we need something to worship. God's checked out. Moses is checked out. So Aaron, come and make us something to worship. And so Aaron's like, give me your gold. Now pick up in verse four. It says he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And he said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He says that this, worship this. This is now your God that I want you to worship. This God has delivered you out of the land of Egypt. This morning, what have you replaced God with in your life? What have you made and fashioned as an own God for you to try to worship? Is it that money? Is it the career? Is it a relationship? 
What is it in your life that you have fashioned and made and said, this is my God. This is the God I think now I ought to worship versus the God of the Bible. And so he says, you know, hey, guys, worship this. And so obviously God's not going to take that kindly. God doesn't put up with false gods. God tells me, he tells you, you're going to worship me. You're going to worship me alone. I'm the one true God. And notice God's response in verse 7. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. I love that the way God says that. Isn't that just like a parent? Go down because Moses, for your people, right? Do you ever get that when, uh, you know, parents, you probably still do this. I, I know I had this done to me and you may have had this done too. All of a sudden, like one parent doesn't claim you anymore when you get in trouble. Do you know what your son did today? Right? Anybody? Right? Some, some parents who do that? I know that happened to me a lot. Yeah. You know what your son said? Yeah. That's what God's doing. Moses, your people, right? You know what your people have done, Moses? All of a sudden, God's like, no, they ain't my people. I'm not claiming them guys right now. Knuckleheads, right? He says, I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. They've corrupted themselves. Verse 8, they've turned aside quickly out of the way, uh, the way I've commanded them. And they made for themselves a golden calf, and they've worshipped it. They've sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So verse 9, Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's stiff-necked people. Now watch verse 10. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation out of you. So God just told Moses, listen, leave me alone. I'm done with them. I'm tired of these stiff neck kids. Like all they do is keep complaining. I'm wiping them out. And Moses, I'm starting over with you. All right, I'm, they're done. I'm, I'm done with them and I'm going to wipe them out, I'm going to judge them, and Moses, I'm building a nation through you. Now, for some of you, you might go, cool, right? Like, you're going to start with me? You're going to build a nation with me? That, that's kind of cool, right? But I want you to notice what Moses does, is Moses then turns to prayer. And, and here's the amazing thing that God does with us in prayer. And here's what I want you to really just kind of get out of the story today. And it's, it's a simple concept. God puts you and me in places and gives us opportunities to pray for others. See, a lot of times we don't understand all the nuances of prayer, and, and that's not our job. But notice that God put Moses in this situation for a time such as this to give him an opportunity to pray for others. And that's what prayer is about in your life. God is going to give you opportunities and put you in places to be able to pray for others because that's what Moses done. When we pick up in verse 11, it says, Moses implored the Lord, his God. And he said, oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Verse 12, he says, why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring him out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. 
Then Moses in a prayer says in verse 13, remember God, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. In all this land I promised I will give you to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. So God has his mind, I'm wiping them out. Moses prays, Lord, remember your promises you've made that you wouldn't do this. He comes on behalf of the Israelites and asks God not to do that. Now, I want you to notice what God does in verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he spoke of bringing on his people. God will give you opportunities to pray for others in your life, just like he did with Moses. And when we stop and think about what's happening here, there's three truths that I'm gonna unpack real quickly in verses 11 through 14 that we are just gonna hold in tension today, okay? Because you need to understand something about the Bible. Sometimes there's some things theologically that we just don't get all the way, and I know we wanna always put it in perfect, nice little boxes, but there's just some things biblically we have to go, we're gonna hold this in tension, and we're just gonna trust in the Lord. All right, so what I'm about to unpack briefly for you, these three truths from verses 11 through 14, when you dive deep into them, they're going to make your head hurt. It's going to be like ice cream headache, you ate too fast headache, all right? Or for the lactose intolerant people in the room, you ate your snow cone too fast. And you're like, ow, right? I mean, like, these are just truths where you have to go, man, I'm going to wrestle with this, and I don't know if I can solve that. That's fine. Hold it in tension and trust in the Lord. But here's the first truth. When you look at what's happening here, and we look at the Bible, God's purposes do not change, When God sets out with a purpose, it doesn't change. Listen to Numbers chapters 23, verse 19. Numbers 23, 19, Moses, who wrote this, said, God is not man that he should lie, or son of man that he should change his mind. Listen to Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times. Things not yet done say my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. So whatever God sets out to do, he's going to do. His his purposes do not change. That's the first truth you're going to see in this text. Second truth is this. God's plans are always unfolding. So God's plans through Scripture are unfolding. Right now in your life, God's plan for you in your life is unfolding. So God unfolds his plans. His purposes don't change. His plans are constantly unfolding throughout history. What he has planned, he's doing. But here's the third truth. It's this. Our prayers are instrumental in those plans. His purposes don't change. His plans are unfolding. But our prayers are instrumental in those plans. You and I, when we pray, is instrumental in the plans of God. Because God puts us in positions in our lives to pray to align our will with his will. 
So God puts Moses in this spot, in this opportunity to pray on behalf of the Israelites and their salvation. God right now in your life is positioning you to pray for someone else. What's that position? Who's that person? What's the opportunity God has given you to go on behalf of someone else and pray on their behalf and ask the Lord to work in a mighty way? Because I I want you to notice how Moses prayed. And here's a key way you and I can pray as God's plans are unfolding, as his purposes don't change, but our prayers are instrumental. Pick up in verse 13. Notice what Moses does in this prayer. He says, remember God, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all the land I promise, I'll give it to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. God had made a covenant and a promise with them to say, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Jacob, I'm going to build a nation through you. Uh, You're not going to be able to number all the, you know, ancestors you're going to have. Like, I'm going to make a nation through you. That was the covenant. That was the promise that God made. Here Moses is saying, Lord, remember that. Remember that covenant. Remember your goodness. Remember who you are, God. Don't, Don't break that covenant. Lord, remember those things. And when you and I pray, God never minds us praying scripture back into him to us. God never minds that. Because you know what a lot of the Psalms are in Psalms? They're prayers. And those Psalms are built off the law. And it's often the psalmist praying through the law. So you and I, if you're stuck in your prayer life, start praying through the Psalms. Start thinking about those biblical promises that you can pray. You can start off in prayer and say, listen, God, in Matthew 7, chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, it says to ask, to seek, to knock. And so I'm coming, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. You've told me to do this. And I'm coming to you and I'm asking for you to work. See, the more scripture that you learn, the more your prayer life is going to develop. So stop and think about it this way. There was a... Uh, something back in, what was it, late, or 2005, 6, 7, that changed the way we communicate, right? It was the iPhone. The iPhone changed the way the world communicates. For some of you, you communicate through text messages, and you're like, please text message me 10,000 times before you ever call me about this situation, right? That's you, You're like, I don't want to talk. I want to text all day long about this situation. For some of you, you are like, please don't text message me. Please just actually call me on the phone, right? For some of you, you just talk through social media all day long, whether it's, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat. All you do is you're just on social media talking to someone all day long, you know? For some of you, all you do is send TikTok videos back and forth to each other. You seen this one? You seen this one? What about that? What about that? Right? This, this changed the way we communicate. But I want you to know how God communicates. Here's how God communicates with you. He says it's right here in this word. This word, God says, is how I'm talking to you. So God says, if you want to know who I am, it's in the word. If you want to know what I'm thinking, it's right here. If you want to know what I've done and what I'm going to do, I wrote it down for you. 
You want to know how much I love you and I care for you and the hope that you're searching for? It's right here. I wrote it down. All right. So God says, here's how I'm communicating with you. It's right here in this word for you to know me. He created prayer for us to communicate to him. See, in prayer, God doesn't really talk to us much. We talk to him. He says, my word, I talk to you. Prayer, I'm now talking to God. The more I know this and the more I know the word, the more I know God, the easier it is to talk to him. So if I want to pray to the God of the word, then I need to know this word. Because when I know this word and I know him more, now I understand those promises. Now I can pray those promises back to him. Now I can talk to him better because I've got the scriptures in my hands. And so understand this, that God will position you, and he's positioned you right now, today, to pray for someone else. He's given you that opportunity to intercede on the behalf of someone else. So this morning, just ask. Just pray. Pray with what's on your heart and your mind for that other person. But as we end up, I just want to kind of jump right back into the story in Exodus 32. And I just don't want to leave it. And just remember today, there are going to be times of delayed prayer. There are going to be times where you're praying and it just seems like God's not answering right now yet. And there's times he delays. There's times he waits for a reason. But when you get in those seasons, don't do what Israel did and think, man, he's left me, he's abandoned me. No, no, no. That's silly. It's silly for us to go, Israel, come on, look at all that he's done for you to think he abandoned you right now. Because here's the truth, and here's the good truth. We've seen God do more than the people of Israel did in Exodus 32. So it's silly for us to go, Lord, after all you've done, after all you've brought us through just to abandon us now. He's not abandoned you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's working out his purposes unfolding his plan, and your prayers are instrumental in that. But I want you to notice something else about this story that's incredible to me. And it's Moses, as Moses gives us a picture of Jesus to come. See, like Moses, Jesus stood in the gap between God and the sin of his people. Like Moses, Jesus offered for God to take his life rather than destroy us. In Exodus 32, verse 32, Moses says, Lord, I will be glad to die for these people. Don't take them. Moses offered to die for the people. Jesus actually died for us. It was Christ Jesus who was our mediator. It was Christ who would die for us rather than we die a sin death. See, this morning, God's not abandoning you. He has sent a mediator in your life between him and you, and his name is Jesus, who takes that wrath away from you, who now pays that penalty of sin for you, so you have that relationship with God now that's never broken. And so this morning, what is the opportunity God has given you? Who is the person or the people that God right now on your heart in this moment is saying, just ask, just go on their behalf, Pray for them, because that's what God does. And so I want to give you that opportunity to pray. I want to give you that opportunity to go to the Lord and just ask what's on your heart and your mind. And maybe it's for someone else to intercede in their life, asking the Lord to do a work. 
And as you're doing that, I want you this morning just to ask the Lord to forgive you. Maybe for some of you, you are not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your life to say, Jesus, I'm ready today for you to be my Lord and Savior. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, I'm asking you to save me and to give me new life with you. And this morning, maybe that's what you need to do. You need to just ask Jesus to do that. So I want to invite you to bow in your heads. Close your eyes just right where you are. Our praise team is coming back up to lead us. Father, in this time, I pray you will hear our prayers. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to sing and and to worship, as we've heard your word, we thank you that, God, your purposes will always come true. We thank you that you are unfolding your plan constantly in our lives and all around us. And Father, I thank you for our prayers, how they are instrumental in that plan being unfolded. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for those that are going to pray on behalf of someone else. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for positioning us to be able to pray for friends to be able to pray for family members, to be able to pray for coworkers, to be able to pray for our church, whoever it is that you've put on our heart and our minds, and you are saying right now to us, just ask. Father, I pray that you will hear them. I pray that you will work in a mighty way. Pray for those that are in their homes, that are in this room, that today they need to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I pray that you will give them the courage and just to be able to say, I need Christ as my Savior right now today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.